Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are the Braves win the World Series in dominating fashion. We are down to the final four racers in the NASCAR Cup playoffs. Who will take home the trophy in the final race of the year? UFC 268 live from Madison Square Garden. The NFL trade deadline came and went, and what a dud it was. College basketball season kicks off with a bang, a preview of the two big matchups on opening night. He takes the kickoff, and he could go all the way. The Fire Brigade recaps last week's games and gives you their predictions for Week 10's biggest games. With that, I give you our chief of our Fire Brigade, Rob Cow. Thanks, Colton. Good to be here on a Wednesday night. We got a lot of stuff to get to, so we're going to get right after it. A uh, lot going on in sports right now. Uh, doesn't seem like an hour is enough time for us to get everything in. Um, and I know there's probably some sports we're neglecting, but uh, let's let's uh, just recap the World Series real quick. Uh, ended last night, ended, ended um, back in Houston in Game Six um, with the with the Braves winning seven to nothing. Um, I'm surprised. Uh, not that the Braves won, but uh, like Colton said, the way a, that they won, yeah, in dominating fashion. I mean, you know, the, the, a lot of these games weren't even close. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think yeah, obviously the Braves, you know, win four four to two in this in this series, and uh, you know, I think yeah, that that was for me was the big was going to be the big factor coming into this. You know, was the matchup of Atlanta's pitching versus you know uh, Houston's batters, and you know, in this in this series. Atlanta's pitchers got the best of of, yeah, that, of the Houston Astros. The Astros big big bats didn't show up. Yeah, yeah no. Well, helping the four runs over the entire series. Right, right. Yeah, right. Run a game. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah and I mean it, it, it's pretty yeah very impressive because the Astros came into this you know leading the league in runs scored per game at, at a little over five runs per game, mm-hmm. and then they even upped that average to almost seven runs per game in in the playoffs, and then uh, you know. They, they were limited to two or fewer runs in four out of the six games. So I got to clarify that four runs was just in the four games they won. Right, they, right. They did put up, what was it, 16 runs in the two games that the Astros won. Right. So right. really, I mean, no game in this series is really close. Either the Braves blew out the Astros right. or the Astros exactly. blew out the Braves. Right, yeah. right. So it definitely, you know, was one of those things, yeah, they, if the Braves were able to get their pitching going, you know, really limit those opportunities that, you know, the Astros had, then then the Braves had a real good shot at, at winning the game. And and then, you know, vice versa, if, if Houston was able to get the bats going, it, it just got ugly real quick for, for, for Atlanta. So, you know, hats off to the Braves. You know, they yeah, win M- their MVP was Jorge Soler. Uh, he had the big three run blast last night. He hit that thing a mile. Yeah, he knew. Oh he knew I like, was reading some comments. I mean, he said he knew it was gone the minute it came off yeah. the bat. He said it, it sounded good. Uh, I knew it was knew it was gone. And, you know, he, he took took home MVP for, for Atlanta and. They bring home a, a World Series title for the first time since yeah. since 1995. So that's some good redemption for Jorge. He's been kind of all around the league, so yeah. that's, that's nice. Won to a see championship like with the Cubs, and then kind of bounced around. Wound up in uh, they picked him up from Kansas City, I believe, is where uh, the Braves got him from. Yeah, um, yeah. Earlier this season, yeah, you know, and a little bit about him. He hit 300, three home runs, six RBIs, and three walks in the series. But going back to when they did trade for him. When they when they made that trade, the Braves were fifty one and fifty three mm-hmm. when they yep. traded for Solar. So 
you know, obviously somebody saw something. And right before he left KC, he was starting to turn it around. He'd had like six home runs in the previous nine games in Kansas City before he got traded. So somebody saw that flash and, you know, made made an excellent trade midway through right. the season there. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, At the trade deadline, you know, we talked about it. You know, the Braves obviously won the trade deadline, and it, it shows. You yeah. know, they, they traded for four new outfielders, and, uh, you know, all four of those outfielders contributed – not just in this World Series, but throughout this playoff run that it, that Atlanta had, and and you know, so hats off to to, to Atlanta's you know front office for for making the deals and mm-hmm. not giving up on the team. Right. You know, as you know, some some organizations, some teams, you know, would have would have packed it in and said, you know, we'll, we'll get them next year. We'll, right. We got a lot of the same players coming back. Well, let's just you know, let's see what we can do. Let's let's just you know ride out the season and see what happens. But. You know, this management pulled, you know, pulled the trigger and and, and it paid off in a, in a big way. Yeah, this was the epitome of a team win for a World Series. I mean, everybody contributed it, yeah. it was great throughout the whole season yeah. in, in the series. So yeah. Yeah. awesome to see. Yeah, very good. All right. On to NASCAR, which will be wrapping up this weekend, too. So we'll take two sports off our plates and I'm sure we'll add some new ones. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's it's down to four drivers in a NASCAR, uh, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr., and Denny Hamlin. Uh, give me your guys' thoughts on final weekend here. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad to see that it's just only two teams represented here. You got yeah. Hendricks versus Gibbs. Uh, Chevy versus Toyota. Yep, Chevy yeah. versus Toyota. So, yeah. I mean, really, the, the field really thinned out for everybody else. It kind of takes a little bit of the excitement out for all the all the all other right. fans. But, you know, it's interesting. Truex actually won the race earlier in Phoenix this year. So, mm-hmm. you, you got to look at that, and maybe he might be the favorite here. But, man, it is hard to go against Kyle Larson, who's just been on fire yeah just how impressive Winning race been. after race yeah, after right. race this season. Been his championship to lose all year we've yeah. said that you know on our recaps um it'd probably be a disservice and a real sad moment to, if he doesn't win because yeah. he's done everything to earn it and i mean year. at this point he doesn't necessarily have to win the race he just has he to just finish has to beat those he three. has to beat those three you know finish right. higher you know higher in the in the you know the rank than the other three than the other three so you know he doesn't necessarily have to go out there and and race to win it, it's just one of those things you know you race to, to be in front of, of, of the other guys. So now you got two teams against two teams. Does the other team take him out so he can't win? Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Is, but then you still got to deal with Chase Elliott. That's true. And he's a defending champ. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, he's, he's no slouch either. You know, and you, we talked about Kyle Larson's dominance this year. He's won nine races this year. Wow. Chase Elliott's won two. Truex has won four. And Denny Hamlin's won two. But Hamlin's had a lot of luck here in Phoenix. He's a, uh, one there in 2012 and 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a low bank tri-oval one mile, which is a little smaller than normal, but an average lap speed's around 145 mile an hour. But Hamlin's had some had a um a lot of luck in Phoenix. So I think you know going in, uh, this could be anybody. This could you know my my favorite all year has been Chase Elliott, but I, to me he's got to be maybe the long shot at this point because mm-hmm. you know Truex has more wins and Hamlin's had a lot of luck in Phoenix and Kyle Larson's just been on fire so. red, red hot. Yeah, so. so, I mean, it, it, it'll be a good race. Yeah. I think it's going to be entertaining and it would be nice. You know, you say, Oh, you don't have to win. You just got to beat the other guys, but it'd be nice to see one or two, or, you know, maybe all those guys racing for first place, right. you yeah. know, at the end of this thing that that really uh, lends some excitement to, 
the way NASCAR has set up this playoff system. Yeah, it could be really bad if somehow they all get in an early huh. crash and yeah, and the rest of the you race gotta decide it by yeah, decide it by and DQ I, or whatever. I, so is it all? Do they qualify for this race or is it set up? How, uh, the, how do the starting positions decide? I, I, I think they still do. I still pole, think that yeah, I still think they do pole positions. Right. Um, that, that won't be till tomorrow probably. So. Right, right. Um, all right. But. Yeah, you know, the, we're down to the final four, and you know, just to highlight a little bit of uh, you know the four racers that were eliminated from the from the group of eight, that was uh, Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, and, and Joey Logano. So, you know, those those four guys were were the final four. You know, had a chance. You know, going into that that final Martinsville you know race last week. Um, so they're they're out of it. So yeah, like I said, we're we're down to the final four, and and yeah, it's gonna be. Exciting times on, on, on Sunday to see who, who takes home the, the trophy in, in NASCAR. So. I'm going to have to DVR that because I'm sure there's some other football games I need to be watching. <laughs> too, so I'll have to DVR it and then not look at the screen across the bottom to see who's winning. So. Right, right. All right, well, let's move on now real quick. Let's do a quick UFC 268. Uh, coming back to the USA from Abu Dhabi, going to be in Madison Square Garden this weekend. Uh, there Again, like last weekend, there's two title bouts. This weekend, a men's welterweight title and a women's um, straw weight. Uh, so, Colton, you're kind of our you you're kind of our UFC guy. Tell me what you think about these two matchups. Yeah, so uh, you know, like Dad said, it's UFC 268. This is uh, you know the welterweight is actually a rematch uh, fight between um, <clears throat> excuse me, Colby Covington, who's coming into the fight 15 and two uh, mm-hmm. versus. Uh, Kamara Usman, who's 19 and one, um, and, and, you know, looks like the guy to, to be in this, in this division, um, comes into the fight winning 18, you know, with 18 consecutive wins and 14 of those being in the UFC, um, you know, and he's, he's trying to, you know, prove that he's, he's the goat in this, in this division and, and has, you know, run this division for a very long, long time here. But, uh, you know, I think what's going to be interesting or, you know, what's interesting with, with Usman is just how he's evolved um, as a fighter over the, you know, the past, you know, several years. He's kind of started out um, as, as kind of a wrestler and then transformed into more of a, of a fighter, you know, fighting style and really just added a lot of different things to his game to really make him the dominant person that he's, that he's been. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think in this, in this fight, you know, Colby Covington has kind of that, I don't know. I want to say maybe uh, like Conor McGregor type bravado, where he he does a lot of a lot of trash talking, a lot of you know profanity laced you know trash talking, and 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 it's one of those things that in order to keep that kind of going or to kind of keep that that uh, you know personality, you have to you have to win. You know, you need when, to back when, it up. Yeah, when when you start losing, you start losing that that credibility. So for so for me, he's really got to you know come out here and and, and try to set the tone early. Um, in order to, you know, kind of stay relevant, I guess I would say in the UFC. But, you know, to me, I, I think Usman is just, you know, a, a better all around fighter. Just, you know, there's there's not really a knock in, in his game right now. And I, I think he's going to going to come out on top on, on in this in this fight in the men's welterweight title. So fight. Colton, Colton likes the Nigerian nightmare. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, he, he, they're kind of contrasting styles, too, you know, in their wins. Uh, Usman's. 47% of his wins have been by TKO. Mm-hmm. Um, we're only, uh, Covington's only at 20%. But then when you get the submissions, 27% of Covington's wins have been by submission and Usman only 5%. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And they both went to uh, decisions about 50% of the time. So, you know, it, but looking at Usman's like defense, he's real good at 
defending guys that kind of have a, uh, submission background or a wrestling background. So there he's good at, you know, uh, fending off the takedown and good from not getting himself into submission hold from the ground. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think at the same time, um, you know, then we, we switch it over then to the, the women's straw weight, um, title fight. And this is actually a, uh, a rematch as, as well. And in, in this one, um, you know, we got Zhang Wiley, 21 and two coming up against the champion in uh, Rose Namajunas, 11 and four. Um, so these, these two fought back in, I think it was back in March or, or something like that. in UFC 261 for, for the title, for the, for the belt. Um, and, and uh, you know, Rose Namajunas came out, came out on top in, in that one um, and, and actually got her belt back. Um, you know, she's the first, the first, uh, you know, first woman to ever regain her championship belt back. And so it's pretty, pretty unique. And, but uh, she's going to have her hands full, you know, in, in this one. And, and it was a, a pretty quick knockout, pretty quick. Uh, I forget. It was probably like 90 seconds or something like that. A, a quick knockout for, for Rose um, in that one. So she's kind of out to prove that, you know, her, her fight against, you know, against Zhang wasn't just a fluke. It wasn't, you know, just kind of a flash in the pan. So she's really out to show that she deserves to be the champion and then stay on top there in that, in that straw weight division. So, <clears throat> Sounds like it'll be an interesting uh, fight card this weekend, and it's yeah. nice to see another couple of championship matches. You know, right. there's been times where some of these cards you get you get next to nothing on some of these. So right. yeah, it's usually it's nice to see they're they're putting some title matches up at the top of this. And, right, and I think even this, I think even some of the other ones that are in the main card are, are pretty interesting to watch as as well. I think this is this is probably not and and at the same time not even the main card fights, but even some of the like early prelims and prelims are are you know interesting fights as well. So I think this card from top to bottom could, could shape up to be one of the better UFCs that we, that we've had here in, in a while. So, yeah. um, and it, it's good to see, you know, it's in the USA, you know, at, at Madison square, you know, a big, big venue in, in Madison square gardens. So you and US, two USA fighters fighting for a fight for a fighting for a belt. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's interesting. All right. On to the NFL trade deadline. It was kind of a ho-hum, you know, I expected some big things, teams that, you know, were looking to, maybe better their spot here almost halfway through the season or, or we are, you know, almost at the halfway point with 17 games now in the regular season. But, um, and there was some teams that I thought needed some parts that didn't go out and look for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was just a real strange thing, but, you know, I think the big one that came out was yesterday was Vaughn Miller, uh, you know, going, um, to the Rams from the Broncos. So I guess the Broncos are setting themselves to make a run at getting Aaron Rodgers next day, trying to clear or next year, not next day, <laughs> next, next year. Um, you know, trying to clear some cap space. I think they're going to make a run at Aaron Rodgers at QB. So, you know, they, they got rid of Von Miller to the Rams. Um, the Rams defense is already solid. I think they improved obviously, you know, so, but if you look at the Rams, um, statistically, they're not a team that, really puts a lot of faith in their draft picks. They don't, they haven't had a, a number, uh, haven't taken a pick in the first round since 2016. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they trade them away and, you know, obviously it's working. They're a, you know, a pretty solid franchise. They've been in the playoff hunt several years in a row now, but um, it's just weird to see how some teams, you know, they, they, uh, they're giving up draft slots for proven players. And mm-hmm. I think that's what, what they've done here with Vaughn Miller. So they, they didn't say for sure. I, they just said it was two second day draft picks. So is that going to be a second round or a third round? I or saw, did that finally come yeah, out? Yeah, I, I, I saw that it's going to be a second and a third round pick okay. in this upcoming gotcha. in upcoming draft. So, yeah, they uh, have to give up 
two pretty early round picks yeah. there to to you know bring over Von Miller. But that's kind of a lot for a guy who's getting close to the downward side of his career. I don't right. think he's got a ton of years left in him. I think that the nice thing for for the Rams in that in that sense, yeah, they had to give up two early round picks, but the the thing for them, they only have to pay seven hundred thousand of his I little over $9 million contract. So the Broncos have to eat $9 million. The Rams only have yeah, to pay 700,000. Nice so, that payroll flexibility. Yeah. So I, I think that that's, uh, you know, uh, hats off to the Rams to be able to, you know, pull that off or, you know, work, work that out kind of, kind of thing. Um, because yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that he would have been worth that, uh, that, that many, you know, high early round picks. If you have to take on a, a larger contract like that, right. not knowing, how many good seasons? Yeah, he really has left. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, yeah, he's he's definitely you know had a a, a Hall of Fame career in, in Denver. Um, but yeah, he he's been the injury bug has hit him here here recently, and mm-hmm. I just don't know. Yeah, how much he has left in the tank. But he's coming into a situation where he doesn't have to lead the defense. You yeah, know, he's got to be the, a great contributor, right? The, the right. pressure's a little little off of him, but uh, you know, so. At the same time, my, my winner is the Rams, but my loser is the Rams as well. And, and dad touched on it, you know, a little bit with th- this team is obviously built to win, to win now. Mm-hmm. They, they, you right. know, are, are basically going all in on this, on this season. They traded for Matthew Stafford earlier in the year, and that's turned out to be a home run, you know, for them. Um, but, you know, and obviously they trade for, for Von Miller to strengthen up what's already an elite level defense. So they're definitely, you know, putting all of their eggs in one basket on the, on this season. Um, but, you know, we, we've seen, you know, oftentimes that, that teams that do that, it doesn't always pay out. It doesn't always, you know, work work as great as you think. And then when when, when players start to decline or, you know, players want out, I mean, then you're left with, with nothing kind of deal. Right. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the Rams only have three picks in next year's draft, a third round uh, compensatory pick, a fifth rounder and a seventh rounder. Yeah, I'm not getting much out of all that. And then they don't pick in the first round. You know, you talked about they haven't even had, you know, haven't kept a, a first round pick or haven't drafted in the first round since 2016. Well, they don't have a first round pick until 2024. Jeez. So they, they wow. don't pick in the first round this year. And they don't pick a first round, you know, as of now, they don't pick in the first round, you know, this year or mm-hmm. next year. And you have to wait, you know, a couple of years before they possibly pick in the first round again. Yeah, so, right. yeah, yeah they, you're right. Sounds like they're going all in. They, and, then, they, it's out, and, and then once they fall off that cliff, then it's rebuild. It's, 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 rebuild it's massive, you know, yeah. pandemonium kind yeah. of deal. So, Matt, what you what you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm with both of you on the winners being, the, the you know, the Rams and getting Von Miller. But to, to me, the loser was it wasn't really a team. It was a player, Deshaun Watson. Okay. You know, he's, he's wanted out of Houston for as long as can be and they just can't do anything with him because of his legal trouble i mean they're, they're paying him to sit on the bench and not play and kind of stay away from things mm-hmm. it's, it's rough for houston to have to pay that franchise quarterback dollars to somebody who can't contribute for your team and they're suffering i mean and, and, they, they, and yeah. houston is not good and, yeah. and, and i'm not saying that deshaun watson is the answer to their problem i mean they got a lot of problems across right. the board but uh you know, I, I think obviously he helps you, you know, move in the right direction. And, and he didn't give up a hot, you know, you didn't draft him number one overall to, to let him sit there and hold a clipboard. So, right. yeah, definitely Houston has to be, you know, the big, the big loser, you know, a loser. In this, I, in this. I really kind of blame the NFL on the whole issue right now, though, because they need to just make a decision. Mm-hmm. They need to do something. They, they acted quick on Zeke. They acted quick on plenty of other players. The, the fact that they're just sitting on their hands and waiting and waiting and waiting. 
it, it's just making this harder and harder for Watson. And right. It's harder and harder for the Texans. They, yeah. they need to make a decision and do something. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, the Chiefs made a trade for an edge rusher, Melvin Ingram, from the Steelers. Uh, I guess he had expressed that he wanted out, wasn't getting the, wasn't to get the downs that he wanted. Um, you know, and, and for me, the Chiefs has been – they've been kind of one of my biggest disappointments so far this year, and I don't know why. I think part of it, teams have figured out Mahomes in that offense just a little bit. You know, these coaches are smart enough. You know, they watch enough film that they're going to figure you out. But, you know, and they do need help on the defense. They're, I think, last in the league in sacks. So, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, they pick up a – I wouldn't say an elite edge rusher, but an improvement, you know, on the edge from the Steelers. So, and, and a guy that wanted out of wanted out of Pittsburgh anyway. Right, right. And I don't know the detail. I can't remember what the details I of can't. that trade were, but you know, I don't think that they had to give up that much to to get him at right, the same yeah. time. So, you know, you you're not out anything if if it doesn't pan out. But you know, it's one of those things that if it does, it looks like a you know a home run type deal. So, mm -hmm. um, you know. But a, a little bit of you know high high reward, little risk type type yeah. deal for for the potential Chiefs. for high reward. Yeah. 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 What else we got? I got a couple more, but what else you guys got? Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think uh, you know we can we can talk a little bit more about you know NFL trade deadline. There's still some rumors running around. You know, I, I think the big question is you know is OBJ done in in Cleveland? Um, you know, I think one way or another he's done. Yeah, I, I don't I, think the effort is there. Yeah, um, I, I I've said it from the very beginning. Uh, you know, when he came to Cleveland, I, I just. I didn't think this was going to work out from the he's very beginning. He's always been a locker room cancer, and yeah. he's showing it again. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that – I just know. don't see the effort on his part. His route running is sloppy. You know, if, if he's not getting the ball, that's what he does. That's, when he's getting the ball, he's one of the best in the league. But if he's not getting the ball, if he's not number and one – he he's attention. had some injuries he's had to deal with. And, right. You know, and that's, I think, maybe hampered his uh, talent maybe a little bit. He might not be the receiver he was – three or four years ago, but, uh, I, you know, I watched him on Sunday, short arm a pass, so he didn't, he could have went up and got a ball, and he didn't, he didn't go for it, he's afraid he's going to get hit going across the middle, and I uh, read a stat where I think um, uh, uh, the quarterback there, Mayfield, is his uh, QB rating's like 20 points higher when he throws to anybody but OBJ, mm -hmm. so, you know, that's got to tell you something, either the guy isn't catching balls or he's not running good routes and getting himself open. So Yeah, I think uh, you know, obviously this this Cleveland Browns, you know, they had high expectations coming into this season. There a lot of so much talent. Yeah, a lot of team. a lot of you know a lot of talent, a lot of, you know, hype around this team and it's you know, so far through through the halfway point it's it's been, you know, a pretty major disappointment. And, you know, I think winning winning kind of covers up some of those, you know, Balls. things that go on, you know, behind the scenes and um, but you know, it, it seems like to me, yeah, OBJ is just, yeah, he doesn't want to be there. Um, you know, Cleveland, you know, basically told him stay at home, you know, until we figure out what to do with you. Uh, basically they, they told him to, you know, today's practice, they basically sent him home, told him stay home until, you know, till further notice basically. So it sounds like, yeah, it, it's more than a, than a done deal in Cleveland. It's just a matter of, you know, looking what, for a place for him yeah, to go. Yeah. What, what, what they decide to decide to do with them. So. I'll tell you, I think there's some other teams that wish this trade deadline was next week because right. there's been some news this week that there's some teams oh. that wish they could have made a trade. You got JJ Watt out for the season in Arizona due to shoulder surgery. Yep. Derek Henry is going to be out. What looks like for probably the rest of the season with a foot injury. They mm -hmm. did sign Adrian Peterson, but. I, aging yeah, there, definitely I don't know. not. Well, a, and, and, yeah. well, let's face it. Who do you get to replace Derrick Henry? Yeah. There's nobody out. 
the guy is like accounts for like 80% of their offense right. or some some crazy number. So yeah, it's definitely gonna have to be running back by committee there in, in, right. in Tennessee now. Because... Yeah, AP's not not the not the answer, but there is no answer when you lose Derrick Henry. Right. And then New Orleans, they lose Jameis Winston for the season to ACL MCL tear. Mm-hmm. And then the Raiders have lost the their wide receiver Henry Ruggs that they had to release due to some legal trouble. So I mean there's some teams that probably wish this trade deadline was going into next week so they could fill some of these spots. Yeah, in. well, and at the same time, you know, the, the Saints, you know, on that note, you know, Michael Thomas had a setback with it. I think his, his ankle is, is what the problem is with, with him, but he had a setback and now, you know, he was close to coming back. I think he was like maybe a week or two away from coming back and then had another, you know, setback and now he's done for the rest of the season and, you know, there was there was some rumors that the Saints were going to try to make some moves at, at wide receiver and right. Now that just, you know, that, that made it even worse that they, you know, needed to make a move because their best wide receiver who hasn't played all year and they thought were good, they were going to get back is, is out, you know, for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. So that, that puts a lot of pressure then, you know, on, on that Saints. But they did make a move, you know, the Saints did make a move in, in, in you know, getting um, Mark Ingram back and kind of having that dynamic duo between, uh, you know, Alvin Kamara and, and uh, you know, Ingram there and Mm -hmm. I think that takes a little bit of pressure off of uh, Alvin Kamara a little bit you know he doesn't have to carry the load as much you know you can bring in another running back to kind of you know take some of the load off there for for Alvin Kamara because yeah he's gonna have to somewhat carry the team now that you know the the wide receiver group there for the Saints isn't isn't the greatest and they lose their quarterback I mean it's it's going to be, you know, interesting to see, you know, what the Saints do, you know, going forward. So you think it'll be Booker that takes over at quarterback, or do you think it'll be a – I think it's going to be Trevor Simeon. I think – Oh, uh, Simeon. Yeah. He, him on the roster Yeah, well? yeah. Okay. He came in, he came in uh, you know, and played played really well, actually, and hasn't played – you know, hasn't been a significant starter for a team for, for a while now. But, uh, yeah. He, since he was with the Broncos. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he, he came in and he played uh, really – actually played surprisingly well and you know they got the upset victory you know over over you know big division division rival in in the Buccaneers and um you know that was that was huge for them and you know they they didn't lay down you know obviously Jameis went down pretty early in that in that game I Mm -hmm. think it was first or second quarter he went out and um but yeah they they uh you know stepped in and Simeon came in there and played well and and um so I think that they obviously you know have confidence in him going forward but you know I, I don't know I he he hasn't been he hasn't been the greatest of consistent you know when it comes to consistency right. so you know we'll we'll see you know and, and he doesn't have a ton of weapons on that offensive side and losing Michael Thomas for the season definitely yeah. doesn't doesn't help either well, so regardless sure. it, it's been a fun first half for the NFL and it's going to be a fun second half oh, coming yeah. up here as well right. I just got one more and this okay. wasn't didn't happen at the deadline it happened earlier in the in the season when the uh, the Panthers traded. Uh, for Stefan Gilmore from New England. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember talking about this trade earlier. And I, I don't know what New England was thinking. This guy has been one of the premier covered guys in the league for a while, you know, and they trade him away. Um, and he was, he was tasked with um, guarding, you know, what, what we feel this panel believes is going to be a, a hall of fame tight end and Kyle Pitts, you know, that plays for the Falcons. And he, he guarded him, held him to two catches for 13 yards. Yeah and had a pick that sealed the game towards the end of the game. So, yeah. Yeah, if I remember correctly. the They the, got him for a song and I, a dance. Yeah, I think they only had to give up like a seventh-round pick or yeah, sixth-round pick or something like that. So, yeah, they definitely, you know, if he can, you know, return to form and, you know, so far in the – because this was his first game back from yeah. off the injury, you know, injury list. Um, 
So if he can kind of return to form and, you know, so far through the one game he's played, he looks like he's going to be, I mean, it's going to be a steal for, for the Panthers. So they need the help. Yeah. All right. Well, on to my favorite sport, college basketball. All right. All right. We got the champions classic coming up next week and kick off the season. We got just a couple games we're going to highlight here. I think the first one being um, Michigan state against number three, Kansas, and it's in Lance East Lansing. No, actually, no, this game Madison is Ma- actually Madison Square Garden. Oh, that's right. My yeah. bad. Yep, my it bad. is the. Uh, I looked at my looked at my notes wrong. Yeah, so it's actually yeah, it's going to be you know another big event in in Madison Square Garden. You know they got UFC earlier in the you know earlier in the week, and then they get you know this these two big you know big time battles going on in Madison Square Garden. But uh, yeah, like Dad said, the first one of that is you know Kansas versus versus Michigan State, and I think. This the kind of the storylines going into this one is kind of the two contrasting styles as far as you know experience goes. Um, you know, Kansas brings back basically their their whole team from from last year, and then got you know a couple of capable guys in uh, O'Shea Abaji, who um, you know had fourteen almost averaged a little bit over you know fourteen points per game, and you know shot the ball almost forty percent from three point land, and then uh, David McCormick, uh, a big forward forward for them was, uh, you know, had a little over 13 points per game and, mm-hmm. and six rebounds per, per game for them. So they're bringing back a lot of, a lot of experience. I think both of those guys, uh, Obagi, I believe is a, is a senior and McCormick is a senior as well. So a couple of, you know, senior led guys there for, for Kansas, but if you flip it over then to, to Michigan state and, and I mean, they, they lost uh, arguably their, their best, best player to the, to the draft last year in, in Aaron Henry. Um, mm-hmm. he led the, they really lost their top two scorers off of last year's yeah, teams. Yeah. He, uh, Aaron, and Aaron Henry was kind of that do it all player. When I mean that, I mean, literally do it all. He, he led the team in points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game and steals per game. Wow. I mean, and, and you lose, lose that guy to, yeah. to the draft. And, um, you know, not only that, but they lost, three of their five starters from, from last year, you know, one to the NBA, one graduated and then one, uh, you know, transferred. So it, it's definitely kind of, you know, looking like a, a possible rebuild for, for Michigan state here. They, they are replacing them with a McDonald's all American and yep. Matt, Max Christie. And they also got a transfer from Northeastern and Tyson Walker, who, mm-hmm. who's an instant, instant influx in offense. He has, he does score quite a few points. So yeah. if he can do that in the big 10, right. What he did in Northeastern. The scouting report I re- read on him, Matt too, is that he's a, also a great ball on, on ball defender. Yes, um, well. Sees the floor. Well, um, he's a, he's a calming influence out here, controls the tempo of the game. Cause this, this Michigan state team has a little different look to it to me from Tom Izzo's teams in the past. Mm-hmm. He, to me, he's got some long, yeah, Lanky kind of a guys. kind of a smaller small ball type lineup, but yeah, yeah. Where the, you know, in the past they've had kind of those guys that took up a lot. You know, they were the, the big bruisers, big kinda. bruisers in the middle, which is kind of that Big Ten style of, of basketball. But they got they got three starters with a over seven foot wingspan, so they're you know they're a little bit longer and not as bulky or maybe as as physical as what they've been in the past. But you we, know, two storied coaches, Bill mm-hmm. Self, you know, been there since two thousand three. Tom Izzo since ninety five. I mean. These guys are Hall of Fame coaches. You know, Bill Self in the 18 years he's been there, he's won the Big 12, 15 out of those 18 years, you know. Yeah. Uh, and Tom Izzo, the same thing, 16 Big Ten championships. Mm. And this was a little stat I found, and I didn't realize this. 
he has a winning record. Michigan State has a winning record since he's been there against every other team in the Big Ten. Mm. He does not have a losing record to any team in the Big Ten. Yeah, that's that's impressive. I mean, that obviously leads to a lot of success right. in, in your conference when, when you have a stat like that. So Now, what's the story on the sophomore forward from Kansas? He's uh, – Suspended? Um, I haven't heard. Didn't didn't uh, see yeah, that. He got suspended for three. I think it was three games. The one, so, yeah. Well, so four games with their last games, like okay. uh, exhibition game or preseason game, and then the first three games. Okay. Of the regular season, he's, right. a, he's a sophomore forward. Got suspended. Got in a little legal trouble over the weekend. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, that I mean, was a DUI or something. I Alleged DUI. Yeah. Right. So. right. Yeah. So that'll be interesting, you know, going forward. But I think, yeah, it, the, the the interesting thing, like you said, with that with that length that Michigan State has and. At least last year, this was a Kansas team that didn't really shoot the ball all that well. They did a lot of scoring, you know, inside and, and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see if Michigan State's length can kind of challenge uh, challenge Kansas there and, um, you know, kind of limit their opportunities in the paint. So, But, you know, Michigan State struggled mightily last year, barely made the tournament. Yeah. I don't think they got that much better in the offseason. Yeah. I, I think they're going to have a tough road to toe here with yeah. Kansas. Yeah, and, and they, they, you know, as much as they – Hit, hit it out of the hit it out of the park with you know signing this uh you know this Max Christie guy they also mm-hmm. missed the mark they had the number one recruit in Emmy Bates mm-hmm. you know locked in and then you know as we've seen a lot of times you know re- over over the recent years he you know decommitted and and then actually committed to Memphis um so he's gonna be playing you know playing playing ball for for Penny Penny Hardaway down there in um uh, you know in Memphis but uh you know I think it it could be. You know, one of those things that Michigan State's looking back and saying, you know, the the what if or, you know, kind of looking back on the season, what what could have been. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, we got a big another big matchup that, you know, is close to close to my heart. And that's uh, number 10, Kentucky versus number nine, Duke Blue Devils. And, you know, if if people out there listening don't know, I'm I'm a huge, you know, Duke Blue Devils fan. And this one is, uh, yeah, going to be, an ex- I think, the better of, of the two games. Coach um, K's fare- farewell tour this year. Yeah, but starts off with a, with a bang with against, a bang. you know, John, you know, John Calipari. And I think, I think the biggest storyline for me is, is, you know, these teams, both these teams are out to prove that last year was, you know, a, a fluke. Both teams missed, missed the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. had absolutely atrocious, you know, seasons by their standards. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Probably by anybody's standards. I mean, Kentucky went nine and sixteen, and Duke was just slightly over five hundred at, at thirteen and eleven. But you know, so they 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 get to kind of rewrite the, the the past here and 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 see what their teams are made of. But obviously, we know these two teams bringing in a lot of new talent, a lot of fresh talent. Always, you know, picking up the best of the best when it comes to the recruiting classes. So be interesting to see how how all the freshmen you know kind of you know mesh together and you know how they handled the big the big spotlight and there's no when bigger they, if i read right didn't kentucky pull in a bunch of transfers too? yeah like, yeah and i think it's really interesting what the transfer portal is doing to college basketball these right. days yeah and i think you've seen I, it happen in college football and now you're seeing it a lot in the on the basketball court as yeah, well yeah and i think it's interesting because calipari has been one of, you know we talk about coach k about how he's adapted to kind of this new one and done style calipari had nothing to do with the transfer and, portal and, and, yeah calipari but, has been very adamant about this transfer thing like not good for the sport you know whatever but he's also not dumb enough to say okay i'm not going to do it at all he, I he's taking it i gotta take it what you gotta do to he's, win. he's he's you know over the last four years he's had nine transfers mm-hmm. and that includes four just this year right. um so, so he's doubled his transfers almost in, in, in just year. one year yeah. um you know and it, it, it like dad said it is a big thing now in, in uh you know in college basketball um you know calipari hinted at it there's over 130 schools that have had six or more players transfer. 
130 schools. I mean, back in the day, they'd say the sky is falling, your program's over, it's imploding. And now it's like, oh, hey. The the, the comments that I read literally was almost verbatim what you just said. You know, Calipari's like, yeah, if you had one or two guys that transferred, your pro, you, you thought your sunk. pro, you thought your program was, you yeah. know, something was happening in your right. program, and now it's it's a common occurrence. I yeah. mean, it's it's like you don't know who you're gonna have year to year kind of deal, and I don't know if it's good, bad, you know, whatever for for the sport. Um, I guess we'll you know have to see how this culminates over the next couple of years, but yeah, it's definitely the landscape of college basketball has definitely changed changed and it's, a lot. It's funny, you know, Kentucky was ranked they're ranked tenth right now, and they came in last year ranked tenth preseason, mm-hmm. and then like Colton said, went nine and sixteen. And what, what you know, what their downfall was they the turnovers and poor shooting were just I mean that just was not a Kentucky team that we we're used to seeing. But I think one of the transfers Matt was talking about was that kid from Iowa, that C.J. Frederick from Iowa. He shot 47% from three-point land. So they, you know, they're looking to improve that, improve that poor shooting. And they went out and got, you know, got a five-star point guard in Ty Ty Washington to hopefully, you know, to, to firm up that, that leader on the court and, you know, cut them turnovers down. Um, the big question for me, you know, uh, can Duke be Duke again? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they got this uh, Palo Banchero uh, supposed to be, the next coming is Zion Williamson, yeah. uh, 6'10", 250, big kid. Um, he's you does know, a lot of things well. Oh, I, I mean, you read it. his stat line, it looks, you know, and they say he's the most uh, NBA-ready player. I mean, there's just all kinds of hype surrounding this kid coming out. You know, he's obviously going to be a one-and-done. Uh, you know, there's right now he's the pick to be number one, first-round pick, number one overall. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see. But – you know, that, that doesn't always pan out. Yeah, you know? I mean, these these freshmen, you know, you never know what you're what you're going to get. As many, you know, good players, you know, number one, you know, players, number ones in their class that, that Duke has had over the years, they haven't always started out with a, with a bang. I mean, mm-hmm. look at look at Jalen Johnson last year. I mean, yeah, his first game, you thought, okay, yeah, this dude's for real. And then after that, I mean, he, he – I mean – but at the same time, Duke as a program was not very good last year either. Right. So, but you know, you, you would just expect you get these, you know, five-star guys and they're just, you expect them to just be ready to go. That They're going to come out scoring 20, 30 points a game. And it just doesn't always, it doesn't always happen that right. way. You know, right. some just don't adapt as well. And, and it takes a little bit more time and to or, get, you know, or the injury bug rare, right, right. Ugly head. So, and I think the, the crazy thing for me is that this, this game isn't even the biggest game on Duke's schedule. It, it, few weeks later i mean they go to ohio state they play ohio state in columbus Mm -hmm. i think somewhere in between there or maybe a little bit after they have to go against number one gonzaga um and and it's that one's going to be even more interesting because gonzaga got the number one recruit in chet holmgren going to get going up against number two you know paolo there so it's going to be the top two recruits in that recruiting class going up against each other and uh that that's going to be you know kind of an interesting one so yeah this you know duke season starts off with a bang but you know, we're really going to see what this Duke team is made of early well, on. And reading a little bit about the ACC, North Carolina is going to have a solid program again this year too. So, right, right. You know, it doesn't get any easier once you get into conference play for yeah. for the Blue Devils. And so. we're we're going to have to find our way into that Ohio State Duke game. Absolutely. But, you know, I, I think there's no way Duke lets Coach K go out with a thud. So yeah. I think these kids are going to play their hearts out all season long for him. I think it's going to be enough to get it done here. I think Duke wins this first game awesome. of the season. That's good. Yeah. Good prediction. Good yeah. thought, Matt. All right, let's recap last week's 
uh, NCAA football games. Uh, we could actually skip this portion to be all right with me. Cause <laughs> maybe we just give it a quick rundown for the sake of time. Anyway, yeah. just kind of yeah, for yeah. sake of time and sake of my ego, <laughs> I went one and four last week. I let these guys make up, make up some ground on me. Um, not only did my Michigan team lose, but then I lost three other games as well. A lot of my picks, my only win was the, uh, the Buckeyes. <laughs> so, you know, it was a bad week for me, but, uh, they were some entertaining games of football though. I will say that Michigan state, Michigan game had me on the edge of my seat the whole game. We came up a little bit short, but that's okay. We, you know, we, we're not out of the Big Ten race yet. So I got high hopes for this team. And then another team that was in our picks uh, for that last week is in there again this week in Old Miss. So, um, you know, anything else you guys want? I know you guys did better than me, Matt. I think you were the big winner this week, yeah. went four and one. Uh, any any thoughts from the, from the week or from any of those games? or You know, even in defeat – Michigan did prove something to me. They did throw the ball for 406 yards. And I thought going into that game, they weren't going to be able to throw the football. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the fact that they did get a little bit of a passing game going, that can mean great things for them going forward. Yeah, I think definitely going to have to be something that they're going to have to use going forward because they still got some big – I mean, they got to go on the road to Penn State, and they, you know, they do play the Buckeyes, you know, at the end of the year, and they, you know – In the big house. And they do get them at, at the big yeah, house. My but, only concern came at the end of the game when they needed it. They couldn't do it anymore. Right, I don't right. know what happened yeah. in there. I think we got out coached at the end of the game, but that you know, yeah. that's a sticking that's point. A, that's a story for another day. But <laughs> we uh, could spend an hour just talking about that. Right. I, I think another big one, you know, another game, you know, for me was that SMU Houston game in, in, yeah. in a sense that uh, Houston walked off on a on a kickoff, a, a hundred yard Crazy. kickoff. I and, thought, yes, I yeah. got a game. SMU yeah. Tied it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I mean but at the same time you have to go and you have to sit there and scratch your head. This guy, the guy that walked off, Marcus Jones, has eight kickoff slash punt returns for touchdowns in his whole career. He just squib that thing. Yeah, I mean, there's literally 30 seconds on the clock. That's just the, get, that's just the get last the guy. That is the last guy you want to kick right. it to. And, and, the, and, only, the only guy on the field that could beat you, and you kick it to him. Right. I, I don't really understand the logic behind it, and obviously SMU is regretting it. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty now, mm. but, uh, you know, that, that, that to me is – yeah, like the big, the big highlight from from the week. That, that was, that was you know, what what game. what are the odds? SMU was behind the whole game. Yeah, they, actually, they were getting beat pretty bad early in the game, and mm -hmm. they did manage to come back and kick a field goal to tie it. And then, you know, like Colton said, give up a and then a they kick, get get beat in like thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. Ago, they give up a kickoff return for a touchdown. Yeah. yeah, just one last thing to talk about was was the effort of Penn State. You know, they they put up that stinker the week before. Couldn't score. Could, couldn't, couldn't get do, a two-point conversion. And, and nine overtimes, they yeah. couldn't get it done. But right. you know what? Their defense played their hearts out in this game. They held Ohio State in the red zone. Uh, to, I think Ohio State was one for four in the red zone. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty impressive for this Ohio State offense. So they, they played a heck of a game. They really I, I really I thought they would cover the spread, and they did. So I mean, hats off to Penn State. I, I think they, they, they proved they are a good team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All yeah. Right. All right, we're moving on into our picks for this week then. We got uh, first game out of the shoot is um, number nine, Wake Forest, 8-0 at North Carolina at 4-4. Four and four. And I don't know, obviously the guys that set these odds are smarter than me at this <laughs> stuff, but North Carolina is 4-4, four and four, and they're the favorite. Mm -hmm. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, to me, this is a no-brainer. I'm taking the underdog. I'm taking <laughs> Wake Forest. Yeah. If you can say an 8-0 no team against a 4-4 four and four team is an underdog, mm -hmm. give me the dog. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we, we've talked about Wake Forest a couple times on this program, and, you know, I think uh, every game that they've been in is a shootout, yeah. and I don't think this game is going to be any, any different. Um, you know, 
Wake Forest has given up at least 500 yards of total offense in their past, you know, before last week's game that they had against Duke, you know, their previous four games, they had given up at least 500 total yards of offense. Um, so, and, and UNC's offense comes in averaging 40 points per game. I think this one's going to be a, a, a barn burner. First one to 50. Uh, yeah. First one to 50 or 60 at this <laughs> point. Um, and, and I think, you know, Wake Forest has been a surprise team. They're, you know, right there on the on the cusp of the top 10, and I think they get it done this weekend against UNC. All right. Not so fast, my Uh-oh. friend. My. You know, this game has trap game written all over it. UNC is a 4-4 four and four in the season, but they've had close contests in their biggest games this year. You know, they were right there with Notre Dame at the end. But the running games where I feel UNC has the edge here, they rush for about 202 yards a game. And uh, Wake Forest showed against Army that they do struggle stopping the run. Yeah. But I, I think if uh, North Carolina can handle handle the ball, uh, take some clock off with that run game, I, I think North Carolina has a good shot to pull this upset. All Absolutely. Right. Very good. Absolutely. Next one, we got Liberty at Old Miss, number 16 Old Miss that let me down last weekend <laughs> against uh, Auburn. Uh, to me, you know, an Auburn team that's been so inconsistent mm-hmm. this year, but um, they, you know, they, I thought, you know, the, the quarterback play of Matt Corral would be the difference in that game last week, and it wasn't. They, um, you know, they shut that old old Miss offense down, but I think they're going to rebound. I got to take the running Rebs of Old Miss uh, over Liberty this weekend. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you on this one. Old Miss comes into this game nine and a half point favorites against Liberty and it's going to be interesting because this is uh Hugh Freeze uh former former coach of of Old Miss going against his his former team there so you know kind of a little bit of you know back backstory to to that but uh you know Liberty's defense they've only allowed one opponent to score more than 26 points against them however that they've only played two teams that rank in the top 95 in in, in total you know total offense and and you know the stat for me is Ole Miss comes in, they rank fourth in the country in, in total yards per game. So I think, uh, you know, it's a little bit of different style than what, they, what they've what they seen. I, I expect Liberty to, to put up some points, but I think there's just going to be a little bit too much offense for Ole Miss. I, I think they're going to get it done. Yeah, I'm with both of you here. Liberty hasn't beaten a ranked team all season. And I don't look for it to start now. Ole Miss wins this easy. Okay, very good. Next one, I think probably the most interesting game of the weekend, um, number 13, Auburn. Um, against a Texas A and M Texas A and M team that um, you know they're both sitting at six and two. They're playing in Texas. They're playing at you know the Aggies' home stadium. Uh, Thirteen versus a fourteen. Um, I like the Aggies in this. I, I, Auburn to me is just still a team that doesn't seem like they can put back to back games together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Texas is po- Texas A and M is poised to. Uh, to get the win here at home. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, Texas A&M favored by four and a half going into the, this one, um, you know, and I think, yeah, it, it, it's going to be one of those things of which team can get the run game going. Um, you know, Texas A&M has rushed for at least almost 300 yards and back-to-back games. Um, Auburn had a, had a fantastic rushing attack last week against Old Miss, um, but they, they've been inconsistent with that running game. You know, prior to that, they, they, they struggled to, to run the ball, you know, against, you know, several of their opponents. So, um, I, I think it's also going to come down to what Bo Nix do we do we get mm-hmm. in this in this game right. as well. And right. I think playing on the road, you know, Bo Nix has been, you know, struggles a lot on yeah. the road. It seems like he's re- he's real good at, at home, but, you know, not so great when he when he has to go on the road. I, I think Texas A&M gets a gets a couple of stops and, and, and you know, wins wins this game. <clears throat> yeah, I look for Auburn to continue their Jacqueline Hyde season and for the road woes to continue. I mean, both these teams are statistically close in all aspects of the game, but Auburn just doesn't play good on the road. I look 
for Texas A&M to win this, but it's going to be close. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. Um, I'll let Colton, you start this one off. Um, LSU going into number two, Alabama. Yeah, absolutely. So LSU comes in four and four on the season against, uh, you know, like Dad said, number two, Alabama, who's seven and one. Um, you know, that game kicks off seven o'clock p.m. over on ESPN. And Alabama comes in as a staggering 28 and a half point favorite. Um, that's 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 four touchdowns, folks. Um, so, you know, in, in 10 of the last you know 11 meetings, LSU has been held to 17 points or fewer. This season, LSU's offense has been held to 21 points or fewer in three of their four games in October. This this spells you know disaster all written all over it for for LSU. You know LSU's defense has given up over 450 yards in six of their past seven games. I think just too much offense. LSU just not a very you know not a very good team this year. I think Alabama gets it gets it done. Spread seems maybe a little bit too high, a little bit too high for me. But uh, I think think Alabama will will win this one in, in pretty dominating fashion. Yeah, I, I agree. LSU is a team with a lame duck coach, and they have little motivation to win. Bama, on the other hand, they can't afford to lose another one, or they could be out of this playoff hunt. Mm -hmm. So you know, on paper, Bama's the better team, and I think they'll be the better team on the field. I think twenty-eight and a half is a little too much. I don't think they're going to cover, but. I do pick well, Bama to win. Vegas betters will probably be sweating it out till the yeah, very end yeah, on that, yeah. with with such a high high spread like that. So. Yeah, and as much as I'd like to see LSU win this game, because I'm not an Alabama fan for one, but for Coach O, you know, I'd like to see him go out on a high note. I like the guy, um, but uh, you know, I I just don't think there's enough there's enough there. Um, uh, roll Tide. Mm -hmm, absolutely. All right, last game of the weekend, uh, University of Texas San Antonio at eight and zero, going into Texas El Paso at six and two. Matt, lead lead us off on this one. Yeah, you know, looking at all the statistical categories, University of Texas San Antonio is better in every category there is out there. Uh, they're more battle tested. I, I I just think they played the better opponents. They put up better stats. I, I'm picking them to win. Absolutely. So, yeah, like we said, Texas, Texas at San Antonio is one of only six unbeaten teams left in the year. So, you know, it's a, and they're in a, they're kind of in a prime time. I won't say prime time time because it's at 10, 15, you know, uh, 10, 15 Eastern time, but they are over on ESPN too. So it's kind of a, you know, a big, a Get big moment. national coverage. Yeah. Big moment for, for both of these schools. So, you know, going to be, you know, the spotlight's going to be on there, but, uh, yeah, Texas San Antonio comes in they're favored by eleven points in, in this in this game. Um, you know they got a stud running back in in sincere McCormick. What what a name there! But uh, you know has over one hundred and ninety carries for almost nine hundred yards and, and nine rushing touchdowns coming into this coming into this game. Um, you know, but I think uh, Texas San Antonio's defense is is a little bit better than than uh, you know UTEP. Um, and so I think yeah, uh, University of Texas San Antonio the the Roadrunners get it get it done <clears throat> all right well i'll just i'll just make mine real quick beep beep the roadrunners baby <laughs> yeah absolutely so all right <clears throat> what else we got um i know we said we had one more topic if we had time here at the end of the show and I, yeah i think we're gonna have that colton go ahead yeah i think uh you know sticking kind of with college college football um you know the the initial kind of college football playoff rankings came out last night and uh you know We'll just, uh, I don't know, Matt, if you want to kind of run run through them and just kind of give us, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of talk about, you know, what we think of kind of these initial rankings and, you know, what, what we think is going to happen going forward. Yeah, why don't we just for time, let's just, we'll go through the top 10. We got okay. Georgia at number one, Alabama two, Michigan State three, Oregon four, the Buckeyes at five, Cincinnati six, Michigan seven, Oklahoma eight, Wake Forest nine, Notre Dame 10. 
I think the big surprise was Oklahoma dropping so far, even though I don't think they've been, you know, a team that's really wowed us this year. They're still undefeated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that, that was kind of a surprise for me. You know, obviously the love affair that the committee has with Alabama and the SEC teams um, doesn't surprise me as much as it uh, makes me angry, but it is what it is, um, you know, until the, you know, Big Ten can prove they can beat them, I guess, in the big game. I guess that's what's going to continue to happen. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I think I think for me, the big biggest surprise or maybe the most disrespect is is, is Cincinnati sitting there at, yeah. at number six. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, I, I, I get it. I mean, I get it. Cincinnati hasn't played anybody. I mean, their lone win, you know, big win this year is, is against, you know, number 10 Notre Dame. But, you know, I, I just – I find it hard to believe that a, that an undefeated team and, and they're not just winning, barely winning, skating by. I mean, they're dominating right. at the same time. So, I guess th- this is a whole. Um, you know, I was reading something. This is a whole new committee. The 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 members that are on the you know kind of selection committee are all new. You know, from from you know previous years. So, obviously, the emphasis on on certain things are going to be a little bit different than what we've seen in, in years past. But yeah, for me, if if I'm Cincinnati, I, I'm a little bit you know disrespected and. At this point, I don't know how Cincinnati moves up the rankings because, you know, unfortunately they play in a conference that's not very good. Um, and, and their lone, you know, ranked opponent, you know, in their conference, SMU, just took a loss. So they're, you not know, not ranked. The they're not ranked anymore. So, you know, the opportunities are, are, are very limited for, for Cincinnati because a lot of the teams ahead of them or even slightly behind them play a few more ranked teams, you know, left in their schedule. So, I don't know. I just, I, I yeah, find it, you know, hard to believe that, that Cincinnati, you know, isn't up there, you know, up in the top, in the top four. Yeah, I think, I think Cincinnati's got to root for these one loss teams to, to get another loss for them to really have a chance to get into this right. discussion. Yeah. They got it. Fickle's got to root against his old. He's got to root for the Buckeyes to get beat again. <laughs> but, and, but, you know, yeah. I, I think Oregon has the biggest gripe here at, at, at the one loss team because Alabama goes out, you know, they, they lost to an unranked opponent mm-hmm. at the time and they are ranked now. Um, and, but who have they really – who have they beat and that's really high, highly ranked? Where, you know, Oregon, they have the best win of any team in the top five. They beat the Buckeyes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they beat mm-hmm. a top five opponent sure. right there. Cincinnati can say probably that they have uh, – well, no, Michigan State has the second best win. They beat seven in Michigan. But then – and Cincinnati has the third best win. They beat Notre Dame. Right, right. So, I mean, at, at Notre Dame. Was it at Notre Dame? I believe it was on yeah, the road. Yeah, I believe it was I at remember. Notre Dame. So, you know, they, they have a road, you know, a road victory against a top ten team. So – yeah, I think that just continues to show that, you know, mm-hmm. Cincinnati is a little bit, you know, disrespected in this, yeah. in this yeah. sense. So, so it'll, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what these next right. few weeks it's bring. It's only the first week, so, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, with style points and whatever you want to call that this committee's looking for. I don't really know. But, um, you know, obviously a team that already has one loss can't lose another one um, or, or you've eliminated yourself. So, you know, a lot of these teams, you just got to go out and take care of business. You know, you went out and, and then let the committee to decide, you know, who's going to be one of those top four teams. Yeah. And, hey, before we, before we leave today, I want to leave the listeners with a couple of topics that maybe they can chime in on, on our, on our social media to talk to us about a little bit. All right. We had uh, two things we looked up online this week. Uh, Greg Norman, he's set to run a competing golf tour uh, going up against the PGA. I'm not sure I really get what's going on here. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't, know how successful it can be but you know let us know what you think Ch- uh, chime in on our social media and i'll let us know yeah, what whether you think it be about a, just a question or just a comment on what you think about it mm-hmm. absolutely and, yeah. then, and then another story that, that happened this week uh kofi coburn got suspended for three games for selling apparel and memorabilia uh so with name and likeness now that's no longer a problem 
However, he did it a month before name and likeness happened. <laughs> right. So, he did it in June. It didn't become legal until right. July. I mean, I, I say no harm, no foul. That now the rules have been changed. I think you let him go. I, I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I think uh, three games may be a little bit harsh. Maybe at the most. Maybe now, was one. this self-imposed or was this was NCAA? NCAA ruling. You know, so I think maybe maybe he could have gotten away gotten away with maybe one game, maybe three games. But at the same time, I, I haven't looked to see what Illinois' schedule looks like. I mean, usually in the very beginning are these three games really going to be that significant yeah. but at the same time it's one of those things that yeah it, it, the kid it happens a month before you know the, yeah, and everybody knew it was coming it was in the right. works it was just a timing issue. yeah yeah um so i think yeah, yeah just did he jump the gun a little bit yeah yeah he absolutely he, and he knew what he was doing it wasn't like right but but how, it's how but is he the only is, one right yeah i, I, I have right. to find it hard to believe that he wasn't the only one that's been doing it or has you know did it in that time frame at the sure. same time. So yeah, but uh, yeah, log on to log on to our social media and just tell us what you think on these yeah, topics. Col- We'd Colton love to hear t- from you. Colton will tell us where you can find that at. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we, uh, you know, thank you for listening to, to our episode this week of, of fired up with your host, Colton Cal, chief Rob Cal, Matt Cordes. Um, you know, like I said, we hope you enjoyed our, enjoyed our show this, this week. Um, you know, unfortunately we're going to take the week off, uh, next week. Um, myself, I'm going to be off on business in, in Chicago and, Dad's gonna come out there and join me uh, for for a few days and may catch a catch a Bulls game while while we're out there in Chicago. But uh, yeah, so we're we're taking the week off next week, so that'll give you guys some time to catch up on maybe some episodes that you missed in the past, or you know to drum up some some good questions to to hit us with when we come back, you know, the following week. Um, but uh, you know, like Matt said, you know, we got we got social medias. Uh, hit us up on there. Um, we we're on Instagram. Our uh, handle is fired up underscore podcast. Or you can find us on Facebook. We got a Facebook page at Fired Up, comma Sports Podcast. So you know, like Matt said, he gave you a couple of topics to to maybe or comment make up about. some of your own, or maybe yeah, maybe own. there's something that we miss. Like he's like like we've said for the last couple of weeks, there's so much going on in sports that there's no way we've been able to cover it all or, or, or talk about in every one hour topic a week <laughs> in, in, in one hour. So. You know, but we do have real jobs too. Sorry. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, we'd we'd love to be able to do this every day, but unfortunately, you know, they don't, it doesn't pay the bills. But uh, you know, you, you can also you know head over to our website at uh, fireduponepodbean.com. Um, you know, check out all of our past episodes and to find you know more information about about our show and a little bit about each of the guys and things like that. So, you know, we appreciate you listening, and as always, stay fired, fired up. up.